This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Kansas City, Damian Williams runs to immortality! Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. No, I went to Temecula and brought you some dirt. And this is how you use this dirt. No, See, like don't, you, don't. You do it like this, you get it, no, you sort of no. rub it on. Okay, now I'm ready to go. According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpup. How about a pull-up three? Grace Pilot is good! Everything happening in the sports world. The game is over! And the Chiefs kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And even some things not happening in the sports world. I'll probably wrap up in a blanket or something. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing. Another edition of According to Jim right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Or for those of you listening online, worldwide, at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner, and joining me as always, the most popular man in the entire city of McPherson, who is sitting in his office until .5 seconds ago, Mr. Steve Sell. I think I pulled a hammy. Good afternoon. I think I pulled a hammy. Well, we've done, what, 552 of these shows. Yeah. I figured you knew what time it would be, and I'd well, just start I, I, talking. I was hollering I was for you. You didn't on, hear me. I was me. working on a story, and I lost track of time. It happens. Oh, yeah. Steve, are you doing all right today? I'm doing great. You, you seem so, like you're in a good mood. It is so cold. It is just bitterly cold. And I just, you know me, if it gets under 50, it is cold. What have you done to prepare? What have I done pr- to prepare? Yeah, for the cold. I, there's nothing much you can do. Well, know. what I mean, are, are you wearing extra layers? Oh, I'm layered. Are you layered. wearing gloves, a I'm hat? Layered. I'm layered. Oh, I always wear a hat, and I always wear gloves, and I'm layered. I got like three layers on. Now, have you allowed yourself to turn on the heat at your home today? I actually did turn up. You know, normally I keep it like 65, 64, but uh, I had to bump it up a little bit today. You, you decided we'll turn on the heat yeah. when, it's, when it's 8 degrees outside? Well, I had that heavy blanket last night, so that I just wrapped up in the heavy blanket and Called it good. I don't think Steve ever really turns on the the thermostat at, or the the heat or the air conditioning at his home. Oh, I do. Yeah, I just for about an hour a day. Yeah, I, I but I don't throttle it way up. I mean, it's just I like I like to stay. You know, I, I like to you know keep it a little cool in there. Yeah, for sure. When it's sixty four <laughs> degrees in there and it's eight degrees outside. Yeah, Steve. Remember on the show yesterday when we began to talk about KU in West Virginia and, and before we could even begin the conversation, oh, they're not going to win. They can't win up there. Well, for 35 minutes, I looked pretty smart. They found a way, Steve. Yeah. They found a way. They did. And I think that maybe you're learning that the Kansas Jayhawks this year are pretty tough. They're resilient. They're pretty tough. They've won a lot of games down the stretch kind of like that this year. I think you're 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 learning that they're pretty tough. I felt pretty confident about them going to Morgantown, West Virginia, and and they're all thinking about that bonus that Huggins is going to get in his sweat jacket and, and his barely khaki pants. They're pretty much sweatpants. I think that we were thinking too much about West Virginia. They can't shoot. They can't they shoot really at all. They really can't shoot. They can't shoot at all. But how ugly was – we watched that game last night. We how, did. How ugly was that game? 
It wasn't pretty. Oh, it was fugly. It was fugly. Whoa. <laughs> ugly, ugly, ugly. It was not pretty, but I think we're learning the Jayhawks are resilient. Yeah. And there have been years, maybe even last year, I didn't think they were a very tough team in terms of being able to go up against a team that is considered to be tough. And I don't mean, are they good? I mean, are you ready to go box, get into a boxing match? And I think West Virginia is going to win a lot of boxing matches against people because they are big and strong and athletic and they don't care. They're just going to start throwing haymakers left and right. But I think KU is saying, hey, we're pretty tough too. Well, and, you know, you look at it, Doak, you know, very physical, you know, in the middle. Marcus Garrett won the game for him last Played night. Played all 40 minutes. As tough as he was. Defensively, he had three straight steals, and that led to Jayhawk points. I thought that was the turning point in the game. Isaiah Moss finally made some shots. You know, he hasn't been doing that very much lately. Devon Dotson, he might as well just go ahead and not even shoot the ball outside of about 15 feet. He can't make anything. He did make one really big three, but he's really struggling with his shot. And, 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 you know, they didn't play very many guys. You know, it was based. Yeah, in the second half, four guys played 20 minutes, and then I can't remember somebody got subbed out, but uh, I think maybe it was dope. But the other four played 20 minutes, all 20 minutes of the second half. And that was a that was a real good test for the Jayhawks. I mean, to win that game where they were only two and five career, you know, lifetime going into that game, um, you know, that, that showed me a lot about them. I really – and I said it yesterday – I did not think they'd win. When they got down 41-32 with about 10 minutes to go, I didn't give them much of a chance. But West Virginia just cannot shoot the basketball. And and they got away from getting in their big guy. I can't say his name. He's got Oscar. I'll just say Oscar. Sheboy. Sheboy. Uh, he is a force, but they kind of forgot him. You know, they forgot about him uh, in the second half. And I think he had 12 at halftime. I don't know what he ended up with. 14. Yeah, two in the second half. So they kind of forgot about him in the second half. And for some reason, they just decided to keep shooting threes, and they can't shoot. So big win for the Jayhawks. I really felt like if they didn't win that game, they were probably done in the Big 12 race because uh, we're basically down to two teams. West Virginia's undefeated. KU has one loss. Baylor's undefeated. Or Baylor. Um, and then Texas Tech uh, is now third with uh, four losses. West Virginia's lost five. OU's lost five. So it's a two-team race. And then you look at the schedule, KU still has to go to Tech, to Baylor, to K-State. Baylor only has to go to OU, TCU, and they do have to play West Virginia, I believe, in the last game of the year. So the schedule really does favor Baylor. Well, Steve, you made the comment, I think, last night in saying that the reason why it is really tough to overcome much of a deficit in terms of the standings this year is that in a lot of years in the Big 12 race, whoever the number one team is, who a lot of the times it's KU, they're going to get pushed every game they play. Whoever that top team is. They get everybody's best shot. Life's not going to be easy when you're the number one team in the conference. You go even play the 10th best team, and it might not be a great win, but every team is going to push you. That's not really the case this year, where Baylor and KU, they might not get pushed again by those final five teams. Texas, TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State. I don't know if either Baylor or KU has much of a game with either of them. I think they're much, much, much better than any of those schools. I think the game at K-State, just because of what happened at Allen Fieldhouse, 
if if that incident hadn't happened, I would have believed it. You know, I'd say KU will roll K-State at K-State. But I think all bets are off now uh, in Manhattan because I think I think K-State I don't gonna, think so. You really don't. K-State's the worst team in the conference, and KU's playing pretty well. But I, I just think emotion and the octagon of doom can carry them a long way. But remember how much stuff is going to happen between now and then. K-State has to play four more games. Right. And if you add four more losses into dejection mode, I don't know if it will make much of a difference. Well, I just think K-State – because K-State will go into that game with nothing to lose. K-State's going to – or KU will play tight in that game because uh, they know they can't afford to lose. And, and I just – I look for that game to be – you talk about an ugly game. That game might be in the 40s. It might be like 49 49- – 45, something like that. But going back to the conference race and those top two teams, the reason it will stay that way is that there aren't that many games left for any of them that no. they that they get pushed. Baylor K- has to play West Virginia. Yeah. Baylor has to play KU. KU still has to play Texas Tech, Baylor. And those are really the only two games they where I think they OU get pushed at, home, at all. You know? But OU's not very good either. Yeah, but yeah, you're, you're right. But at least there are only two good teams, really good teams in this conference. You're right. And then there are two more, I would maybe even say three more, that can compete night in, night out, being Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Oklahoma. Texas can't compete night in, night out. TCU can't compete night in, night out. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, there none are... of them can compete night in, night no, out. They, they might give you one game. Right, and that's what I'm saying K-State will do in Manhattan. I think. But I don't even think it's that. Yeah, but... Uh... You know, we watched the game last night, and we hearken back to the McFirst night El Dorado game on Tuesday. The games are too rough. You know, they're we, really physical. We, we were talking last night. Why are the scores so low? You don't see that in the KCAC. I mean, KCAC basketball is fun. You know, the Bulldogs—they're scoring eighty about every game, and whoever they play scores eighty. But you look at the games in the Big Twelve. I mean, teams can't score, and I think one reason is. They let way too much contact go. I mean, Adoka Azabuki is the Cody Stuffelbean of college basketball. He just gets... Cody's a little better free throw shooter. Yeah, but Cody just gets absolutely hammered, and there's no call. It's just like the officials now just feel like that the, the shooter doesn't have the rights that the shooter used to have. It used to be you you touch the shooter any bit at all, it was a foul. Now you can kind of chest them, you can bump them, you can grab their arm. And they just don't call a whole lot anymore. We saw it Tuesday night. The McPherson High boys, with just under three minutes ago, had two fouls for the whole game. And that, there was contact in the game, trust me. And they just didn't call anything. El Dorado girls never shot a free throw. So, I mean, it just seems like there's a lot more contact that's being let go. I know a lot of it Tuesday had to do with the fact that the games were lopsided pretty much from the get-go. But it just doesn't seem like they're calling a ton of fouls, and and I don't know what it's going to take. The big guys especially just get absolutely hammered inside. Well, one thing that we hear from Coach Kinnaman a lot whenever they're getting ready to play a team that will pressure them, and the one team that I can point to where he always talks about it is Derby. When you play a team where their M.O. is, we are going to come out and press you the full length of the floor, we are going to be physical, we are just going to try and win in a sprint, just like West Virginia – Sometimes the officials, once they see enough contact over and over and over again, they're not going to call fouls because you can't call a foul on them every single time they come down the floor, even though 
They might deserve it in terms of the rules of the game. And so I think we saw that a little bit last night with West Virginia. They can get away with a little bit more because their their baseline, their standard, is much higher in terms of contact. When you play a team that sits in a 2-3 zone and, and just waits for you, you know if they come out and touch somebody, it's shocking. Oh, they, they actually found. Back in my day... You, you didn't feel... I don't think you were following me there. I, I guess not. But back in my day, when I played, you couldn't even touch anybody. I mean, if you just put a finger on somebody, it was a foul. Those days are long gone. But going back to what I was saying, officials call a game differently when you play a different style. When you play that in-your-face defense, and you're fouling, and, and you're all over them all the time, they're not going to call as much because that's what you're constantly doing. Your baseline goes up, right, and, right. and they're and they're used to seeing it. Yeah, that it takes more, and I think that was definitely the case last night. Yeah, and and West Virginia. Now you got me. Yeah, West Virginia just mugs you. You know they they mug you. Ku was mugging. To be honest with you, they were doing some mugging. Uh, what about the play where uh, I can't remember one of the West Virginia players Azabuki blocks the shot, and then he just crashes into the guy, leaves him on the ground like an ink spot, and no call. I mean that should have been a foul. After the play, but, Thomas Robinson might beg to differ, Steve. Well, but there—I mean, there's a lot of mugging going on that doesn't get called anymore. There's also a lot of bad shooting. There is. You and I were trying to get to the bottom of it last night, yeah, and talking about why is the shooting down across college basketball. And part of it could be the three-point line being backed up. You know, the one foot that it moved. Yeah, it but was. I think that could be a big difference maker. In terms of the guys that are used to seeing their... I would think everybody, naturally, it would go down if Steve Sell was taking shots from the free throw line and then I backed him up five more feet. Well, the shooting percentage is going to go down. It would be. Yeah, because I could probably not even heave it to the basket. For I don't I don't know if you could get it to the basket. I don't know if NBA I could three. anymore. I used to be a tremendous free throw shooter. you got to work on those push-ups, Steve. And well, then you'll be back into the game. That's right. If I could bench press the bar, maybe that would help. I think you could do it. Well, that'd be tough. All right, Steve, let's take a break. When we come back... There was a press conference today. Okay. Down in Florida. Ooh, Houston Astros. The Houston Astros had a press conference today. Contrition day. And owner Jim Crane made a comment. And I have pulled off the comment. I want you to listen to it. I think I know what it is, but I'll wait until we come And, and I want to get your thoughts on this because I know we keep talking about the Houston Astros, but it just keeps going. Oh, it is. The saga continues. Oh, it's and it's, it's just sorted. And this one today... I feel like has really dug them an even deeper hole to get out of. I think so, too. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. We're back on this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM KBBE. So Steve Sell, Steve Sell, have you seen the comments from Astros owner Jim Crane today? I have not heard them or seen them, but I was privy to he said something really bad is what I heard. Well, I'll I'll give you the gist of it today. So what was it about 
three weeks ago that all this news started to break, right. and we've talked about it a couple of times, and I can remember them saying at that moment, we're going to put together our plan and then come out and, and say what we need to say. So that was about three weeks ago. So we have a lot of people that are employed by the Astros, I assume, that have degrees in public relations and marketing and, and strategic communications, all sorts of very high-up degrees that help you in moments like this whenever you have caused a public relations disaster, and here's how you get out of it. So they have all these people, and they say, here's what we're going to do. Smart minds, millionaires, billionaires who have had to do this before. They put their heads together, and they came up with this strategy as their campaign slogan. There's not really a slogan, but the idea here from Jim Crane, I'll let him speak here in a moment, but... Okay. The idea that they came out with is, yeah, we broke the rules, but it didn't change any of the outcomes of the game. So I'll let you hear his, yeah. full, his full statement here okay. as he's being asked by some reporters, and I think you might hear some condescending remarks from Jim Crane, Astros owner. Okay. You know, our opinion is, is uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, we had a good team. Um we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. Jim, when talking about the Yankees there, did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game? And what do you mean by that? I, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. You know, our opinion is, uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Sign stealing is a distinct advantage for the hitter. So how is it that it doesn't affect competition? So then what are you guys apologizing for? Um, we're apologizing because we broke the rules. But isn't sign stealing a distinct advantage for the hitter, so doesn't it automatically impact competition? It, it, it could possibly do that. It could possibly not. Okay, guys, we're going to wrap up. Thank you, Dusty. Thank you, Jim. Wow. What are you doing, man? He just, he just made it ten times worse. I think they are just continuing to dig and dig and dig. And, and the thing that just stands out to me is, how do they not understand that, number one, the sign stealing is an advantage and does oh. change the outcomes of games. Let's put it this way, be, to be very blunt. If you knew every single pitch that was coming at you, you might not hit a home run every time they throw a pit, every time they throw a fastball and they bang the trash can in there. You might not even get a hit. You might not even put it in play. But when you know what's coming, more times than not, you are going to put the ball in play. You are going to get hits. And in big moments, with Araldus Chapman bringing in the, the changeup out of nowhere, and when you're ready for it and hit one 480 feet out of the ballpark, yeah, it gives you an advantage. And for him to start out and say, yeah, this doesn't re it didn't really give us an advantage, I'm not saying that. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, you yeah, 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 you are. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. And I I'm glad that whoever was there was trying to figure this out with him, but what an absolute mess the Astros are continuing to dig themselves. Just own up to it. Yeah. Just say, hey, we thought we can get away with it. Our bad. I saw somebody bring this up today on the internet and say, okay, the Astros are coming out and apologizing. They're saying whatever people want them to hear. They're not apologizing for doing this. They're apologizing because they got caught. And Altuve, I did see a clip on the MLB on Chris Russo's show, they asked Altuve, well, you know, about the wire. And he said, the commissioner's office investigated and didn't find a wire. 
So, you know, well, he had he had to have had a wire. How does he know a oldest Chapman who throws harder than anybody in baseball, how does he know on that one pitch after fastball after fastball, he's going to try and trick him with a changeup, and Altuve just sat there, knew the changeup was coming. It was like a big balloon coming in. He hits it out. You know, a historic moment, and little did we know at the time, he cheated to come up with that historic moment. So, Steve, the the thing I took away the most from today, number one, the Astros don't really seem to be prepared for their public relations side. It's going to be a disaster the whole year. For this, I think this has just got to be a moment where you have everything prepared. You come out and say exactly what you need to say. And Jim Crane is a smart guy. Yeah. and, And that's why this has surprised me a little bit. And the angle of this could not have possibly been for their PR side. Ah, uh, yeah, we did something wrong, but it didn't really even matter. Nah, it didn't really matter. The times when you say that is, yeah, the refs made a couple of bad calls in that basketball game last night, but it really didn't matter what the outcome was. We were going to win by 30 anyway. That's when you use that excuse. Yeah. Not, oh yeah, we knew what every pitch they were going to throw at us when we were at home for the last three years. But yeah, we would have won anyway. That, that's not how this works. No, you, you can't say that. It's just not. It's just not possible. It's just kind of like if uh, uh, somehow the uh, 49ers knew every single play that Patrick Mahomes, they knew every play that he was going to call. I mean, that's to me, it's kind of like the same thing. Would be the other way because the 49ers didn't win. Well, it didn't matter. We knew yeah. all the plays, and Mahomes still beat us. Yeah. No, it'd be the other way. The Chiefs say. Yeah, we knew every single play they were going to run on offense in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And that's why we were able to stop. But we were going to win anyway. We had Mahomes. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't quite work that way. When you cheat, whenever I go to the blackjack table, yeah, uh, yeah, Mr. Mr. Casino guy, if I knew you, every card that you were going to throw could, at me. If you had x-ray vision and you could see the next card, if you were playing blackjack and you could see the next card coming, you'd say, oh, if, if you had 17 and you could see that it was a six, that he was going to do. I, I think I'll stay on. But don't you think the people at the casino would be real nice to me? Oh yeah. If I said, "Oh yeah, I knew what was coming," but it didn't matter I anyway. I was going to win. Nice. I think they would take me out in the back. I think it'd be lot. like I think it like the movie. What's it called? Twenty one. Yeah. The movie about counting cards with Kevin Spacey in it. Oh man, I tell you, I, I I just think this Houston. This is going to follow them wherever they go this year, and I think. You know, they talked to some of the players. They had like Altuve, Bregman, Verlander. Verlander now says, "I wish I would have said more." You know, when it when it first came out, I should have owned up to it. I think it's going to affect these guys on the field. I think it's going to have a terrible effect on. And I look for you know, Houston won 107 games last year. They've got a great team, but I wouldn't be surprised they only win like 85 this year. Did you see the numbers for the Astros? I saw a graph today talking about. The difference in strikeouts for every team in Major League Baseball when they are at home from 2016 to 2017. And remember, 2017 is whenever they would have initiated all this replay system. That's when it started. And pretty much every team, there wasn't much of a change. There were about two teams that one of them struck out a little bit more, one of them struck out a little bit less. And you can see 29 circles all kind of close to each other on this graph. And then there's one way to the left that is numbers of way down your strikeouts are way down compared to what they were the previous year and that should have been and a, it was Houston and that should have been a tip off to me that and should, it's the same guys yeah. it's different if 
you, you trade five different guys. If you compare the 2016 Royals to the 2017 Royals in some department, the teams were just drastically different. And so the numbers will be different. But when it's the same guys, pretty much the same lineup, and your strikeouts change five times more, ten times more than any other team in baseball, something's happening. Yeah. They didn't all just become really good overnight. Yeah, that's Because they true. were good. And, you know, I, I, you know, this is such a bad way for baseball to start the new year. This is, this is the big story, and it's going to be the big story for, you know, until we finally start getting into the daily grind of baseball. And, and being, you know, a baseball guy like I am, I mean, I like baseball – as much as, you know, I probably like baseball better than the NFL or NBA, even though I like watching the NFL, but I, I don't watch that much NBA. But but being a baseball guy, this this I, it's just overshadowing what's going to happen on the field. I'm, I'm you know, I want to see the pennant races and things like that, but I don't want to see every time Houston is on TV, they're going to say they, they have to rehash over and over again. It'll be interesting to see how many times the Astros are on the – Sunday night game of the week, you know, because let's face it, the Yankees are always going to be there. The Red Sox are always going to be there. But Houston, you know, being in the World Series two of the last three years and winning it in 2017, that that gets you a lot of Sunday night baseball games. When are we going to see the full bomb drop is my when, question. You mean when the other teams are going to come out? It's coming. Game? Oh, yeah, it is. What are we going to do if we find out that every team has been doing this for the last 10 years? What do we, what happens? We're just going to sh- – well, it's not going to be as bad as the strike, but I think a lot of people will stay away from the ballpark. I really do. I think people say, God, is this team – I don't wanna- I don't really think people care about that. You don't? Are you going to not go watch – well, this is a bad question, but do you think people are not going to go watch the Astros because they go, they cheated three years ago? Well, I think I think the Houston fans – I think if, if you're going to go watch a game, you're going to go watch whether they're I cheating think, or I not. I think the Houston fans will be – I think it's more perception for people of baseball, of the league, of those guys. I think it's more outside fans. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think Houston fans care. Yeah. Because they're Unless gonna, they start taking away all their merchandise. Right, but... Uh, I spent $70 on an Astros World Series Champions hat. Now it, it doesn't mean anything. They're going to replace the A on the hat with a C. But I'm just telling you, this is coming. Yeah, I think so too. More teams are going to get busted for this. And I know that there's this They're big, looking into Boston still. There's this big, hazy sort of glow over the 90s, early 2000s with the steroid stuff. I think we're going to have, in 20 years, look back and, and look at this time and say, man, all these teams are using this technology. They were finding ways to cheat. And I think it will be very similar to how we look back on that time well, now. Like, you know, it took a long time. We're, we're past the steroids era. I, I, I fully believe that. I think I think people have kind of put that in the rearview mirror. But this is going to be something that's it's going to take a few years, that's for sure. All right, Steve, let's take one more break. We'll be on the road tonight. Road tripping. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, 
Nextech Wireless, and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Ramping up this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. Steve Sell, you ready for some bullpup wrestling tonight on the road at Bueller? That's right. The bullpups going to Bueller night. Got a chance to win the league title outright. They've already clinched a share when they beat Winfield. Uh, Bueller uh, is a young team, so I'm guessing uh, the bullpups will probably be able to finish this thing off undefeated. Uh, the bullpups are a very good dual team. I think they get a couple of their guys back tonight. The, the Pelner twins... Uh, reportedly maybe back tonight, which would be a big boost because they were really good the start of the year before they both got hurt. Are you saying that ESPN's reporting that? I think, yeah, yeah, ESPN, breaking news. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, something we haven't touched on but very important, starting tomorrow at McPherson College, uh, the regional girls' re- regional wrestling, the actual first sanctioned regional for girls' wrestling. Uh, tomorrow's action will be at McPherson College, and then Saturday it goes to the Roundhouse because there's a basketball game on Friday, so they couldn't have it at the roundhouse on Friday. But uh, I think there's like 73 teams that will be uh, taking part. Of course, a lot of teams only have, you know, two or three. One. One. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of schools that just have one. But I think the Bullpups, uh, Coach Kretzer sent me his lineup. I think he's got nine. He has another girl that probably would have been in contention to win the champ, you know, regional championship, but she's hurt. She's out. So the Bullpups, I think, are open at two weights. And I think there's nine or, or 11 weights in girls wrestling. But uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, if you've never seen girls wrestling, this is a great opportunity. Well, we'll make our way down to Crusader Town tonight, and then we'll be back there on Tuesday as well for bullpup basketball. That's right. I see our man Justin Sizer down there. The AD at Bueller does a great job taking care of us, and uh, uh, be real neat for these bullpup wrestlers to finish off a terrific regular season because their next uh, meet or event after uh, tonight is the regional, and I think it's at Valley Center. That's right. All right, Steve, we'll wrap things up for today. Great job today. I'm still cold. Yeah, I am too. Wrapping up today's show for Steve Sell, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll talk to you tomorrow. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Brown Shoefit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE.